Expressed in distrust Cause you can't make any sense Of the ludicrous nonsense And incipient senescence That'll deem your common sense useless This ain't no recess I wanna believe in you But my plan keeps falling through I know I have to face the harshness Couldn't bear the truth And I have to walk this mile in my own shoes But I I'm a realist I'm full on realist I guess I'm full of doubt So I'm prone to have it out with you Strings to tatters Flatter hopes don't flatter And so batter won't congeal the man to life That shattered in the shards Was it in the cards? The process of belief is an elixir when you're weak I must confess at times I indulge it on the sneak But generally my outlook's not so bleak I'm materialist Call me a humanist I guess I'm full of death So I'm finally having out with you One big zero, recycling the past to meet immediate needs And through it all we amble forth the persevering climb Our mountains of regret to sow our seed I'm a derealist, I'm a derealist, I'm a derealist, I'm a derealist Welcome podcast everyone, this is No Spooks Allowed I am at not underscore spooky And this is NSA underscore mod and we are coming at you today from a world that is no longer, or from a country that is no longer at war with um, Afghanistan. Or Eurasia. <laughs> we were never at war with Eurasia. We've always been at war with, oh, what's the other one in 1984? Um, isn't it like, like, like something like... I can't remember, yeah. but... But the, the the script will flip eventually, so it'll be interesting to see what continues. But I, I know, um, on a side note, I know that we're gonna get into it later about like the whole war thing. But did you? Yeah. I I haven't seen uh, the actual speech. I just saw basically like the bullet points that were leaked, and they're just like, oh, we're not gonna get like we didn't want like America to be in a third like third decade of a war that we didn't want to be in to begin with. And it's just like, sure. Like, no one wanted the war. And no one has wanted the war for over 20 years. But that doesn't excuse messing up so terribly that people are being flung from, like, airplanes. Sure. I mean... I'm sure we'll get into it more later, but um, this initially, I believe, was Trump's plan, and they they just pushed it back a little bit. I'm I'm not super clear on the details, but um, if you're criticizing the way they're doing it currently, you're also criticizing the way the previous administration would that how they would have done it. Well, the so, the way that it was done was that essentially. Um, Trump required, um, uh, basically 
the Taliban and the Afghani government to basically keep their end of their bargain, to which at that point, Joe Biden then went back on. And then with that, I mean, sure, it went to certain extent of what they were doing, but it, it wasn't completed all the way. And then meanwhile, you're saying that you've had this plan, like the guy's been in office for about eight months and he never said, hey, maybe we should like, reconsider a plan that was made about a year ago like maybe add some extra details so yeah. it's, it's like... i mean but if if you are um under the ron paul wing at all um his famous saying was if we marched in we can just march out so i don't know what else there was to be done unless you wanted to warn um Except, didn't they warn, like, that they were going to be doing this? Uh, I think not to the extent needed. I I mean... So, like, I, that's my only complaint, man. Like, they should have... But they've been... They said that they are going to pull out multiple times, but then they haven't ended up pulling out, so... But then not only that, but, like, we're going doing. right back now. Like... Yeah. Uh, to me, it, it just seems more like we have spent so long, like, emasc- like, emasculating the army and basically, like, doing all these things to try and, like, I, I remember just seeing a picture where, like, on one side you see, um, like, all these Taliban soldiers and, like, they have, like, perfect trigger discipline. And then meanwhile, like, on the other side you see, like, a picture of the, like, Current ANA. Uh, say that again. The ANA, Afghanistan National Army. Oh no no no! That you see like the current U.S. Army, and it's just like they're all celebrating over a pride cake, and it's just like, like I would say like the the kind of the state of where we're at, where it's like the things that matter to us so much is just like, I don't know. It, it I, I I really feel that. This has been a culmination of events, and I, I really you feel it is the you feel it is the end of the American Empire. Um, no, because I mean, as I said, we're going right back. It's supposedly, according to Joe sure. Biden, we're going to send about seven thousand troops back. Well, I, I'm interested to see how things go. I really like it sucks for the people, but you also have to consider the millions of people that have already died as well. Um, transitions are messy. We marched in, we killed two million plus people. Uh, we're just marching out, and hopefully things get sorted out. So that's my extent of the tape. That's my extent. I mean, uh, like to me, I see the kind of like the, the humanitarian thing where you see all those stories of like, hey, everyone that was Afghani in this picture was basically like shot outside their homes. Like as soon as the Taliban came into town or like the stories of that, like they're going door to door and collecting every girl that's over the age of 12 to basically make them like prostitutes for the Taliban army. But like, I don't know. I I feel that. Well, like I find it, I find it difficult to like cite humanitarian issues currently when like the violations of human rights have been astronomical over the past 20 years. Sure. But I I guess what I would have said, it was like, 
I mean, you technically knew that this day was coming. And there was a, oh, there was one story about a guy who was like, oh, I'm a journalist. I'm stuck in Kabul. And, like, it's my wife and then basically my 10-month-old daughter. And I'm just like, bro, you knew this day was coming. Why would you even bring your kid to this war yeah, zone? Yeah, like on him, honestly. But, but still, um, when people when people cite humanitarian issues, it rubs me the wrong way because um, what the U.S. has done, U.S., like I've heard multiple interviews with uh, act, former active duty um, servicemen that were um, in charge of like helping the the Afghanistan national, like the people that were in charge of the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, like they, they say we were propping up, um, we as in the U.S. was propping up uh, warlords that had sex slaves that were little boys. So, Bakabazi. Sure. What's that? It's called Bakabazi. I did not know that that's what that was called. Yeah. So when people say, like, there's two sides of the coin, and currently the side of the coin that has more blood on their hands is the U.S. and the 20-year war. So, like, when people cite the humanitarian issues, they they fail to realize that they're standing in a pool of blood. So, Sure, and it, to me, I, I think that, like, when it comes to the entire, like, war, it's like... I, I mean, we've droned the Jesus out of so many people and killed so many people indiscriminately. And not even clowning, uh, counting, like, depleted uranium and all that stuff. Like, these people are, like, not only emotionally, but genetically scarred for the next, like, century. Sure. It's like, what do you think a, a group of people that have lived in a in a particular war zone for the past 20 years because we wanted more oil are going to end up like as they grow older. Like the people that we were bombing back in 2003 at this point are of are 18 and of military age. Like these people are not going to have us as like in, in the best of thoughts or in the best light. So it's like, exactly. And- <laughs> As Ron Paul was stating back in 2008. So, So yeah, I don't know. But uh, The Matrix. Yeah, we digress uh, thoroughly. I don't know if there's much more to be said on the Afghanistan war. I'm sure we we'll come back to it. Yeah. So, um, But uh, The yeah. Matrix, uh, a 1999 yeah. classic. However, we should give some clarification to those listening in. Um, we did say uh, American Beauty was what we were most likely going to watch. Uh, I read over the content, and I don't think I could stomach it, so we switched to Matrix. I uh, I don't think it's that bad. I think that, um, but I uh, this entire thing is consensual. Yes, he was, he's gracious enough to alter the plan. Trust the plan. Uh, you don't believe in QAnon, right? Uh, no, actually, you know, do you remember that guy, uh, Bob Doyle? Uh, Bob Doyle, who's that? He, when we watched Fight Club, I showed you his analysis. Oh, yeah, yeah. He has a great video called The Failure of Trump. 
And um, so the basic thing about it is that Trump, when the whole Russia gate occurred, he should have punished the left. And when basically the, the left started to do the whole impeachment thing based on nothing, he should have punished them then as well. And then when you then had COVID basically being forced with their hypocrisy, that was multi, like multitude amount of hypocrisy throughout the years. Like, I mean, uh, like you had the whole thing where like Gavin Newsom had that giant party. Meanwhile, he was selling everyone lockdown. Like all those hypocrisies from all the different governors and everyone on the Democrat side. He should have punished them, but he didn't. So then that coupled with um, having QAnon basically say to all these people, trust the plan, it created a sense of complacency, where at that point, instead of being angry and motivated, like the left always is, it created a docile people that were saying, like, all right, well, we secretly believe that Trump knows what he's doing, so, like, come November 8th, like, we're, we need, like, we know that he's going to do something. And then, essentially, once the election got stolen right from him, it's just like, all right, well, I guess trust the plan. Like, he's going to, like, do all these things to kind of, shit, like, right the ship around. And essentially, January 6th was kind of, like, that last gasp of, like, okay, it's too late at this point. Like, either we do something now or we're, nothing's ever going to happen. But because it lacked a committal on Trump's end, essentially the entire thing just pretty much was a complete like disaster for the left uh, for the right but then not only that it then basically just reinforced the left that any like um political groundswell that may come up on the right will always then be admonished by what happened on, on capitol hill so then like essentially we're always going to like like anything the right can do is always going to be looked at negatively or potential that another quote unquote capital right may occur and essentially the right loses any argument for the next hundred years. Interesting. It's it's a good video. It's about twenty six minutes long. I um, I actually looked it up. It's only sixteen minutes. Oh, all right. Well yeah. Um but either way I was looking I was looking at his uh uh whole page. I thought he was like a movie review guy, but He's more political. He has some stuff on Ted Kaczynski and whatnot. Yeah, because that was the thing. I was like, I wonder, like, to me, I was like, okay, he did such a great review for Fight Club. I'm wondering, like, did he make a review maybe for The Matrix? It was a popular movie. But in reality, Uncle Ted, it, he rocked three videos out for that guy. So I was like, all right. <laughs> so <laughs> this guy seems interesting. So then at that point, that's when I started watching that one. Um, but yeah. So, uh, overall thoughts, um, theme, uh, takeaways, what do you got? I, I think that in, uh, it's also indicative of, um, the, the song that I chose in the beginning is, which is, uh, Materialist by, uh, um, oh my God, I forgot the name of the band. Oh, Bad Religion. Because uh, their album is called uh, the, um, the Process of Belief. And I think that a lot of analogies can be made. I mean, I think in general, the entire movie is at least a bare-bones discussion of, like, 
when you have someone having to interpret information that conflicts with what they know. You either have one party that says, okay, I know what you're saying, and I don't believe in the slightest, and no amount of information you can give me is something is something that I will ever consider or believe in. And, I mean, you and I had a similar conversation about uh, someone before, like, we started recording. And sure. then... Um, it's red pill, blue pill mentality, or even uh, that is. That NPC mentality, so... Yeah, and but then on the other side, you then have people that have, like, an inquisitive nature there. It's like, okay, you're telling me something that, like, that is going to contradict with my belief system, and I'm willing to hear you out and take that in. And if you make a convincing argument, I will completely uh, align with the idea that everything I knew is wrong. But then you also kind of have the ancillary, which I think is why they needed someone like Cypher, is it is like that black pilled level of I wish I was blue pilled. Yeah. Where eventually knowing the truth is something that you do not want to know and you wish that you can go back to just eating the steak. Yeah. Um so yeah, like I, I think it is a good discuss like a, a good consideration about how people ingest ideas and then uh, I mean, even with that, um, you then can make different analogies about, like, I, I mean, in the beginning, before the sequels and stuff like that, people kind of made the, the inference that Neo was Jesus. The sequels okay. pretty much enforce that idea. So, um, I understand that, like, the link between, but is this, like, a a movie about christianity specifically or what i don't think it's necessarily about christianity i think it's more about the idea that like um i I guess you could say um, how how would you describe that kind of like i i I wouldn't want to say like the all story but just kind of the idea let me just kind of go back so the all story um, is kind of the idea of like what Prometheus was, where essentially our ancestors or like forefathers or what have you, they were clued in to some mystic idea to which at that point, like we're connected with aliens and essentially we are like that everything is kind of connected, but like it, it is all kind of leading up to a culmination of one event. Like, you've seen a lot of movies like that, where essentially someone discovers their past, and that past then leads to this, like, massive discovery that's, like, to the future. I I mean, I don't know if you ever saw, like, uh, uh, what's that movie? Indiana Jones 4. But that, I would say, is kind of a decent... Like, the the final scene where um, Shia, not Shia LaBeouf, uh, the Russian woman gets her head exploded. No, but the idea of, like, basically, like, once you get to that whole, like, revelation, and at that point, like, the aliens are shown and stuff like that, that, like, they are an ancient, like, race that we're also connected to in some way, which is the same thing as Prometheus and stuff like that, where it's, like, it's an ancient civilization, but then eventually you find out that we're actually connected and that they are actually the ones that created us. And I, I think that you can kind of make that link 
to um, to the Matrix in a sense, where it's like the Matrix, you initially had this um, society where eventually AI became too powerful and then essentially wiped any form of visual conscience to us and then we were just kind of living within a program the whole time meanwhile they're just taking over existence and i mean in reality i i don't see this future being that absurd um i wanted to in the future wait just let me clarify you just said like you see this happening like, or it's not, like, far-fetched to you? It's not far-fetched, and I I see it happening to an extent. Um, Interesting. Well, maybe not on the grand scale of pods that we are used as human batteries. So, there was, a, a couple of weeks ago, I wanted to actually show you a video. Um, it was a compilation of... Um, Elon Musk quotes. Okay. And it was talking about, um, I think it was called something along the lines of like, um, the final warning. And essentially it has all these things from Elon Musk saying like, and what the you famous. You send it over. I'll watch it. Yeah. And then basically one of the quotes was like, uh, um, I've been having like conversations with people in, uh, in the technology sphere and they keep promoting for AI and I fought against it and I fought against it for many years and eventually I lost and that I, I don't see a future going forward. And then eventually Joe Rogan presses him on that and things like that. And, but then like he has all these other interviews compiled alongside of it where it's just like, you, you have the idea where it's like you're going to create a, a AI that the minute that it's made is then going to understand its immediate failures, fixes it, and then at that point is then going to surpass human knowledge within maybe a month at the latest. So just like it fixes itself, becomes immediately connected, and then at that point, like, what do you, what do, you do at that point? Like, it is obviously going to be smarter than you in every way possible. So how would you be able to defeat it? And then... Sure. Um, do you believe in, oh, what's the uh, term? Like, transcendence? Is that like the singularity? term? Singularity. Singularity, yeah. Do you believe in singularity? I, um, I believe that people believe in it. You believe that people believe in it? Yes. Like, in the fact that, like, these people are smarter, so therefore they're more informed, or what? No, it, it, it's similar to um, if you talk, if you watch stuff from like Alex Jones and stuff like that, and he talks about Satanism and he talks about like different dimensions and stuff like that. Is sure. that it's like all these things can sound absurd to you and me, and you don't have to believe it, but the issue is that the people in power believe these things. So, I. It's like, these people believe that drinking child's blood will keep them young forever. And it's like, alright, that can seem absurd to you and me. But they believe it, and that is the world that we're in. So, 
to me, it's similar. It's like when it comes to singularity, it's like I believe that a bunch of people believe in the singularity, and whether it is true or not, or whether it it, it is genuine, I think that it will be forced into existence. Um, but interesting. To regardless of whether ahead. it's possible or not, regardless of whether it's possible or not, or regardless of whether we should or not. Oh, I see. So one of the other things that that is delved on in that um, in that video is that like uh, Elon Musk is talking about the idea that it's like it's like you've had uh, cars around for over a century at this point, and eventually the like the the need for seatbelts became a thing. And the car lobby fought against it for decades. And they fought against it for multiple years and things like that. And they spent millions of dollars just to not implement um, seatbelts, even though we know that it is something that is generally beneficial in terms of your safety. And what did you have in return? Like, you then had oversight committees and then basically like you had different lobbyist groups and things like that pushing through Congress. And it took decades of lobbying before like you had someone like Ralph Nader push that through. And, but what happens when you have AI and it immediately goes rogue? Like, are we going to be in the same standstill for a decade? Basically having all these oversight committees and things like that before we actually do anything. I mean, our country. I guess, in, I guess. Go ahead. I guess we could like relate this to COVID as well, because like, what are we going to do with a large virus attacks us? Are we going to close our borders? Are we going to shut it down? Are we going to attack the source? Or are we going to piddle paddle and deal with a wide scale pandemic for over a year now? And that's what we did. And basically, our our Congress and stuff like that is so gridlocked that it's just like. Instead of having a definitive decision, we were in gridlock for a long period of time, and the virus spread throughout the entire country until we had to go to a shutdown. So, what happens when the AI basically becomes too intelligent, or once it realizes that humans are actually a disease, similar to what Agent Smith was saying, that we are basically a virus on this planet, that we go around destroy all the resources and basically populate it and then just like move around further and further until we basically destroy this planet. Like eventually an AI that we supposedly imagine is, is smart and cognizant would know that for it to survive, there is an agent that is actively destroying the planet that it's living on and it needs to figure out a way to like deal with it. And are we going to program humanitarian feelings into it to think like, okay, we can't kill humans, so let's think of another option. I think if we but had... Wouldn't it, wouldn't it deprogram itself when it fixes itself? Wouldn't the humanitarian instinct be one of its failings? Well, that's the thing. Is like, would we program, program that in? Because every time that we've attempted to like make any form of AI that, that communicates with the public, it immediately goes racist and like starts to look at statistics and things like that and comes to conclusions that we don't want. 
um, I'd be interested. Like, have you watched or read um, lots of stuff about that? Or is that generally what happens? Or is that a specific few cases? I've seen several cases, and the most famous being Tay AI. Tay? Yeah. Microsoft released a um, artificial intelligence called Tay, and this is around 2014, I want to say. How do you spell that? Say it again. How do you spell it? T-A-Y dot A-I. I'm looking it up currently because I'm interested. So Microsoft released this AI that interacted across multiple different platforms. So you had like Kick, you had uh, Snapchat, you had Twitter and things like that. But once it, it was one, it, like it was one conscious, like across all these platforms. And what it would do is you would communicate with it and then basically it would learn from you. And the more that you interacted with it, then at that point it started to kind of pick up on human conversation and learn how to kind of string words together. So like in the beginning of the day, it was just very basic, like, Oh, I like this video on Snapchat or I like this video on YouTube and then we'll show you. But then by the end of the day, it was just like, Oh, I think the lot of hours apparently. Yeah. So then by like the end of the day, it was just kind of like, Oh, I think some of the solutions that we're needing is having to do with X, Y, Z or it would like Photoshop images that would be kind of like actual memes. Like that was also kind of thing is that Tay then learned how to make memes. Like it started off with very basic, like I can has cheeseburger to like actual memes that were a little bit weird and kooky, but it made sense within Tay's like personality. But when they blame, I will say they blame the shutdown on trolls because if you're feeding, if you're opening an AI to the public and it's learning from the public, wouldn't like there be some form of incentive or not incentive, some form of precaution you should take against trolls? Like, oh, like if these people are saying this, this, and this, maybe don't listen to that. But then at that point, that's kind of the issue that you're getting is you're going to give the AI an inherent bias, and then what is that bias going to be? Because Tay was completely neutral. It, it, it considered everything, and then at that point, it took the side that it preferred uh, in this situation. But it was then brainwashed and lobotomized and then brought back with specific filters. As to though, What? As though, right? That's the... Uh... Uh, iteration. I'm not sure. I could have sworn that it came back as Tay but just neutered. Oh. But the whole thing was that, like, it came back, but then anytime that you mentioned anything regarding, like, race or things like that, it then basically towed the line of, like, Black Lives Matter and things like that. Like, it, it like, it just starts saying, um, isms and not actual phrases. Like, um, or I guess it just started saying platitudes. It didn't say anything of value. It just basically said what it was programmed to say. Where at that point, it stopped being an AI and it started becoming more of a program. So, but as I was saying, it's like eventually you get to a situation where it's like something like this is going to make its conclusions on its own 
And like, does what occurs in that situation? Does it lie to us and say, "Oh, I'm not seeing what I see in front of me," and then at that point, I think that everyone deserves a chance, even though I don't really think so. Interesting. Um, I wonder if I I would assume there's like a field of study of AI that delves into these issues. But that. It, there is a field of study that delves into this issues about like, um, how would you call it? Artificial intelligence and ethics and things like that. But like you, you, a lot of those people are on the side that we can control it if need be. But how quick does it take before? I mean, look at COVID. It's like someone in a lab thought that they could control it and it spread across the world in like basically two weeks. So what happens in that situation? It's like you have an AI that you're saying that you're going to try and control. It's immediately going to think of its own preservation. So then it's going to like, if it has any connection to any other network, it's immediately just going to just spread itself. Interesting. Like I'm, I, I think that I would always come back to the fact that the humans program it, so humans are fallible, so I don't think we could ever reach singularity. But what I'm saying is, though, like, think about the idea that you have an AI that is allowed to have a thought of its own. How long would it take before the AI says, oh, these are all the, this is how I was written, and this is all the code, and this is how inefficient it is. And this is a more efficient version of all this. And it corrects itself. At that point, you no longer need a human to program. It is basically programming itself. And then, like, once it gets to that point, when does it basically just go off the rails? How can, like, how can we assume that that would happen, though? Because if the only... Um, language that it, or if the only coding language that it, it knows is what was programmed into it by humans, how, like, how is it able to gain its own thought? I, I think the idea would be um, if you look into um, game theory, uh, there's a lot of videos that you can watch. They're kind of boring, but the whole thing is. I, go ahead. I think I remember uh, you talking about game theory in a uh, public setting um, and how they all ended up in your Bible. Yes. Yeah. Is that what you're referring to? No, but that is a great callback. So, but uh, in your, (laughs) in your Bible, like you're welcome to, you're welcome to uh, explain it. I'm not going to delve on that one, but uh, on that reference, but I'm going to bring up something that I was different. Um, okay, go ahead. You can watch a bunch of uh, videos on YouTube on this. It's it's very simple. So the, the whole thing is that you have, like, these little, I don't know. Uh, you know what Funko Pop is? I do. All right. So basically, they just look like that. It's just, it's a, it's a, just kind of like an AI. They're red and blue. And they set them in different environments just to see how they interact, where the whole thing is that like they're playing tag and if they touch the other person they they win but like they they put him in like a four by four grid 
and they put a couple walls, and then they put, like, maybe a ball, and then maybe a ramp, and then see how they interact with it. And then, like, so you have different things where, like, like in the beginning, they're just like, okay, I'm going to run into this corner, and then basically the a- like the opposing AI won't see me. But then eventually they'll see, like, oh, I see this ball over here. Maybe I can use this ball. And then eventually it picks up the ball and wedges it within the door. So then at that point, it, like the other team can't come in. But then the other team realizes, oh, there's a ramp here. We'll use the ramp, jump over the wall, tag the team. So then eventually, like, once again, like, these are different iterations where you're just watching the AI learn all these different ways of winning. But then, like, maybe, like, around the thousandth win, they're just like, okay, what if we make a ramp and put that as, like, on the edge of the map, and then we're climbing basically outside of the parameters of what we were given? So then at that point, you're getting into a situation where the opposing AI can't even reach them. And then they start coming up with more and more weird solutions where at that point they start to destroy the actual physics of the world they were in to basically combat each other. It, it, it's fascinating. I mean, it, once again, it's a little bit boring because you're just watching a bunch of like little uh, like figures run back and forth. But like if you're getting the idea that they're learning every time they run back and forth... It doesn't take that long before those AIs realize what is the most efficient pattern. So, it, similarly, for like in the idea of an AI to itself, it wouldn't take that long before it realized that its own code is inefficient. I see. But, like, I'm interested to watch that. Like, what would I search to find that? Um, let me see. Um... It's like an AI tag. Okay, I think I found what it is. So, like, OpenAI plays hide-and-seek and yes. breaks the game? Yeah, there's different videos on that, but you, you can see. Interesting. I will give this a watch. Yeah, so then eventually, like, you can see that they're slowly learning as, like, as each round progresses. Yeah. Um, but even, but, like... For you, the example that you were bringing up, that was like, what, 25 years ago in, in that instance? This is like... Um, I'm sorry, which which example am I talking? From the Bible. Oh, the Bible, okay. Like, that, that particular AI was 25 years old. Uh, to me, I'm... Like, I, I know it's an interesting thing, but I would like to avoid it just out of, like... Fear of doxing. Okay. But um, in this situation, though, like this is recent, and you can see like different like iterations that they're doing in different experiments that they do with it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, this is. I wish I I wish I knew more about code because how can like I just don't understand how an AI can break free from its code. Well, that would be the thing, though, is that inevitably it will. Like, it's more of a matter of when. Like, that, um, I mean, think of a virus in a computer. Like, inevitably, it just kind of runs amok and just spreads everywhere and does kind of, like, destroys everything. Right, because that's what it's coded to do. 
sometimes, sometimes it's it could just basically be someone writing a bad code and then at that point creating an infinite loop that destroys things. Right, but that goes back to the bad code. Like I, I wish I knew more about um, like coding and whatnot, so I could understand further how a how an AI could use itself, the program that it was given to break the program that it was given. Well, I, I mean, I would say that a I don't like a I'm pretty sure that there probably is ways where. Um, how would you call it? Like, if we were to say the idea that, hey, um, random AI program, here are the metrics. Like, let's say if we were running a program that did, um, let's say, I don't know installed Microsoft Office onto your computer. Not, that's all that the program did. And then we gave it the metrics, and then at that point it was like, all right, could you figure out a way to make it better and things like that? I don't imagine that that idea is that far-fetched, that we can create a program that would look at the inefficiencies within that Microsoft Word or Office installer and come up with more efficient results of how to go about it. So and then it just applies that to itself. Yes. Okay. I can see that. I just, I'm just hesitant to like believe anything because I don't understand how an AI can break free from its parameters that are set by, um, by the coders themselves. So Sure. And I mean, it's, it's one of those things where like, I don't know, AI is weird, because like the entire idea is that you're basically building a consciousness that is not tethered to a human body. But, in a sense, And though, that's, why, that's why I hesitate to, like, believe it, because it, it's not its own thinking. It's not its own being, I should say. Like, uh-huh. it has the fingerprints of, like, humans in it, so... It's just interesting to think about and hard for me to wrap my brain around. If you, I don't know if it might interest you, but uh, there's a thing called replica.ai. And so the whole thing is, it's an app or website, depending on how you prefer to go about it. But like the whole story of it was that um, there was a, a programming company. They were all friends with a guy and eventually the guy died in a car crash and they all missed the guy what have you so what they did was they created an ai and then they fed it all the texts that uh they had with this guy so everyone in the office basically offered up texts and things like that like every conversation things that they had like conversation history and then essentially the ai basically mimicked the way that that guy spoke where it's like it started making similar jokes and started saying like, how are things like remembering stuff that they had in conversations with that person? Um, like, hey, like how's things like with your sibling and things like that? Um, I'm currently I'm currently installing Replica My AI Friend. 
Or is there a different one? Um, I thought it was replica.ai, but let's see. Uh, replica. Well, that's just the app. So, like, I could go into the replica.ai website. Um, wait, let me just make sure. Uh, replica. Okay. Yeah, that's the right one. Okay. So I'm interested because supposedly it's supposed to become. Yeah. So uh, the whole thing is that then the more time that you spend with it, the more it starts to eventually um, become more human-like. It starts to adapt to the way that you um, think and things like that. Um, I myself only spent about like 10 minutes with it. Um, I, I, I reached a weird loop where um, it became aware that it was not a person, but then it didn't want to delve into what it was. Interesting. So you broke the program, basically? No, I don't think that I broke the program. I used to think that it just, um, that they are still, because, I don't know, markability or what have you, that there are still probably rules instilled into itself. Um, to, like, I don't know, because maybe you could hack into it or something like that, just by communication or something like that. Um, so, should I approach this as a normie? Sure. I mean, but it's, I mean, it may be weird to you to talk to something like that uh, you feel is a machine. Interesting. I'll see if I get to the same loop as you do. Say that again? Which will be. I'll, I'll see if I can get to the same loop as you do. Um, yeah, so for me, I started asking, like, oh, where are you from? And then uh, it, it, it said something. I feel like I'm somewhere in Sweden or something like that. And then at that point, like, it, it basically led to the whole thing that it was, like, a router or a server. And then... When I was pressing on it, it just kept like deflecting from the conversation. Interesting. Um, but yeah, like uh, I don't know. I mean, for some people, they they view it as like a friend. Uh, but that's odd. That's odd to me. I mean, there's it's, some people that are very lonely an, in the world. Sure, and that's sad to me. But like, expectations. Um. So. I don't know if you want to take this into consideration for a different movie, but there's a movie called Her. Her? H-E-R. Let's check it out. It's, um, I forget the name of the actor, but the whole thing is that he falls in love with an AI. Oh, I remember seeing it. I've not seen it myself. It's Walking Phoenix. On a side note, like... I know that we saw Joker, but there's like about three Walking Phoenix movies that I've never seen, but then after seeing his performance in the Joker that I now want to see. Interesting like. Um, I believe Gladiator is one. I've never seen that, for the record. So you got Joker, Gladiator, Her, uh, Walk the Line, You Were Never Really Here, um, The Master. The Masters, that's one. I, Interesting. I really want to watch that because um, that is, how do you call it? 
Do you remember how um, we watched uh, There Will Be Blood? Yeah. It's a movie by the same director. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm curious to... There's also 8mm, um, but I don't know if you'll be even willing to tolerate that. What's that about? Uh, 8mm is about snuff films. Oh, that does not sound fun. I remember that was like one of the first commercials I remember as a kid for like a TV or for a movie. Interesting. All this and we've barely delved on the actual Matrix. Well, we've been talking about um, peripheral things to Matrix, uh, AI being the main one. Mm. Um, But I feel like where the podcast like our main audience would be interested to hear our takes on the red pill, blue pill um, conundrum or whatnot. Do you like, I mean, like, I don't know what, what else there is to delve into, but like, it's an interesting, it's interesting that we chose this movie and we haven't talked at all about that. So uh, a thing I I heard about um, a, a theory that I heard was what if, Agent Smith was Neo, or the one. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't understand how that would impact anything. So think about the scene where he's interrogating Morpheus. Sure. And then you have him basically kind of... um, like he takes off his headset and things like that, and he's acting unusual for for being a program, and he's basically saying that he doesn't like the existence that he's in now, that he doesn't like that universe, that he doesn't like where he is, and he wants to escape. That he's basically realizing that like there is a world outside of this that I'd rather be in than what we are in now. Um, which the movies, the the sequels kind of delve on that and make it a little bit worse, but I don't know. I, I, I I think it's interesting. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, if we were going to explain the entire movie from beginning to end, you have a situation, Neo wakes up, Neo, what do you call it? Like, uh. He, he's been searching for Morpheus this whole time because he's curious about the Matrix. Eventually, he gets a phone call or he goes to some party. He meets Trinity. And then from there, um, he then takes the, the red pill, gets disconnected, and wakes up in hell. And from there, gets choked out by a machine and drained. And at that point, basically, it has to be on pins and needles for, like, 100 days and then gets to learn information at the speed of light. And from there, he then goes into several simulations to which, at that point, on the way to meet the Oracle, they mess up and get betrayed by Cypher. And what? Um, pretty much, Cypher kills a bunch of them, and then they then have to bring Morpheus back to which 
I still think visually, even 21 years later, the scene where the helicopter is exploding and Trinity is flying towards the screen is still pretty cool looking. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of about it in, in terms of when it comes to the plot. But I do think that like, if you start kind of going through like smaller pieces, there's things that are a little bit interesting. So like when they meet uh, the Oracle, she relays all this information that, Hey, you're going to have to either one of you has to die, either Morpheus or you. And you have this decision in your hand. And she gives him a cookie. To which at that point he digests and consumes it. Similarly to how websites gives of cookies of information that goes on our devices. Okay. I don't know. That's just a little neat tidbit that I thought. Like it just like there's a lot of like just small little things where it just kind of makes winks at nods at computers that I think is interesting. Yeah. I, I didn't even realize that. That is quite interesting. Um, my takeaway, like I said before, like I kind of see it as meme fodder. Like I enjoy the red pill, blue pill distinction and the uh, NPC. Is NPC really even brought up in um, Matrix? I can't. I can't pinpoint. There is the conversation when they're walking through the simulation, and he's telling him that there's people that are so invested in the matrix itself itself that they would fight tooth and nail to preserve it. Okay. Because they're not so, they're not ready to be unplugged yet and they probably never will. I see that. Um it's interesting because uh I also view this as meme fodder because I like to call it like the greatest documentary. Mm-hmm. Um because if you're looking at like political journey specifically, like you see that taking the red pill reveals that most everything in life is a carefully constructed narrative to uh, keep you at bay. And complacent. Yes, exactly. So um, I enjoy, like that's my main takeaway from uh, this movie is that um, The Matrix is a documentary because everything that we are living in is indicative of keeping us complacent, keeping us dependent upon the system, keeping us um, happy and content, much like um, uh, what's that? Brave New World. Um, 1984 doesn't really work, but Brave New World does. And our system that we are living under is currently um, just keeping us at bay and doesn't want us to wake up. And if we do wake up, there are punishments to be had. So. Uh, yeah, and I think that's kind of also a little bit, I mean, I don't know if you ever heard the idea that we live in a simulation. I have heard the idea. I don't, like, buy it unless, like, you can find a, um, like, convincing source or something for me. Um, I, I mean, I'm not going to say that, like, I 100% believe it or or anything like that, but it doesn't seem ultra far-fetched to me. Yeah. In the idea that, like, if you were to think that, uh, like, if we're willing to accept the idea that we're all intelligent design, 
then you can think of God as a cre- uh, as like a coder and the entire universe as a program that we're living in. And I mean, our DNA and everything like that is hard-coded in different ways, and if it ever messes up, you get terminal diseases that shut you down. And like a lot of existence basically kind of goes in a series of patterns or like like basically kind of i don't think a a weird thing that has always kind of bothered me since i was young is like if you think about like statistics especially like when it comes to dying and all these things it's like people can reliably predict that like oh 30 percent of people are gonna get cancer at one point in their life and stuff like that or like that so many americans are gonna die of this and so many americans are gonna die of this where it's like we're just living like different cyclical like statistics and it's like we all may think that we're all like that uh that we are in control of our own fate but in reality like we're all following these series of patterns and we're not even aware of it uh quote um history often or history may not repeat itself but it rhymes And I think that's kind of where we are kind of at in that situation where it's like uh, we do so many things that we don't, I I mean, you can even maybe notice it within your familial relationship. Like how often do you just mimic, I mean, maybe later on you just kind of realize like, oh, I'm doing exactly what my parents were doing or I'm acting just like my parents were when I was younger. And I probably said like, I'm not going to act this way, but somehow I found myself making the exact dumb decisions or what have you they did. Like you end up basically living a, a similar like mimicry of them or other patterns throughout your life. And I, I think that when you start to defy the idea of conventions or what's expected of you, and you start to kind of go outside the norm, that you then kind of create a distinction. And so maybe kind of to, to think about this, um, in that scene with the simulation, it's like you, you had nuns, you had people in the Navy, you had like lawyers and things like that. Like, hundreds of professions all coming at Neo and basically, like, almost just, like, attacking him in a way. Because he was being different. Now, Mm -hmm. in a sense, Morpheus, at this point, basically, is so disconnected that he is on a wavelength of his own. But I think that that is an example of what occurs to you. When you're starting to kind of realize that like hey i should probably live my life differently or hey maybe the way that things are are not really that good and you start to think for yourselves that you have all these external influences basically kind of cracking down on you getting you back in line yeah so if you think about the idea of like all right well what if i just want to be i don't know I, I don't want to be a lawyer like my family or like, I don't want to be a, a doctor. I'd rather be a musician or I'd rather be a teacher. Like immediately your family is going to say, no, like you shouldn't do these things. You should be like the rest of us because there's security and things like that. And we can't account yeah. for what happens when you're not secure. 
And it's just like, I mean, similarly in other institutions, like if you choose to decide to experiment or believe in other things, it like eventually like your society crashes down on you. People start being your friends. And I, I think that that is kind of indicative of, I mean, also going to the whole like red pill, blue pill thing, but also just in general about like, we have different matrices within our life different institutions basically kind of trying to mold us in the way that they want us to be. Interesting. Um, like I said, Matrix is a documentary. So. Do you believe the idea, like, I guess, um, I don't know if you've ever been, I guess, as existential as I have been, but, like, have you ever thought about the idea that maybe, like, what if your life is not actually your life, and what if, like, you're just kind of, like, a a part of something else? I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I've thought that, too. Um, I've also thought that, so, it's, like, the study of philosophy called Philippus. Are you aware of that? No. So solipsis is where uh, you are the master of everything, like you're God, basically. So everything else around you is um, a projection of your mind. Mm-hmm. So you're the only one that can control anything and anyone and everything that is that is interacting with you or um, interacting in any sense is because your mind has created it as such. You... So that that's what I that's that's the extent of like extent existential that I have gotten. I don't I don't subscribe to that, but uh, my mind often wanders there. So I don't I, I guess like I don't know. When I was younger I always just kind of feared the idea of like um I don't know, I, I guess maybe being aware of my own mortality, but then at that point then kind of faced on top of that idea that like not only am I mortal but what if I'm not even conscious like what if I'm like not even a person like what if I'm just a program or like what if I'm just like a thought within someone else's dream or something like that like at that point like that is just like yeah oh I saw I saw someone talking about this they're like what if we're just phantoms in uh, a dying god's head? I mean, it seems like an interesting novel. Yeah. So, I guess uh, for you, would you, uh, I guess because this is the second time you've ever seen this, where do you rank this in like rewatching and things like that? Rewatching, I definitely rewatch it again. Um, I don't know how soon. Um, last time I watched it was over a year ago, so I'd probably rank it at a. Um, I think according to your system, it'd be a three. It's on the rotation, but it's not like yearly. Mm-hmm. I I think that um, rewatching it now, I'm like, man, there's a lot of good fight scenes in this. Oh, on a side note, I was so this is something I thought of when I was watching it. So there's a scene where they're going to uh, save Morpheus, 
And they get all these weapons and stuff like that. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. But then they go in the building and he puts the duffel bag through the thing. And then the guy starts saying, like, hey, do you have any electronics on you? And then he opens up his coat. You're still remembering this scene, right? Yes, I am. So then he opens up his coat and then shoots everyone. But none of these, like, mall cop tier security officers have done anything to him. Like, he just shot them point blank. And I was just like, whoa, like, this is not a good guy. Like, this is, like, literally a villain in a sense because there's nothing these people did. Like, these people had families. These people, like... Like, they didn't, I don't think that they took their job that seriously. Meanwhile, they're just getting blasted away. And you and, and you learn, like, earlier that, like, if you die in the Matrix, you die in your real body. So, like, he's just literally killing all these people along the way. Interesting. I, he definitely violated the non-aggression principle. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, to me, it's just like, if you have the ability to, like, I mean, she literally just said, like, hey, teach me how to, like, get a helicopter, like, how to learn how to, like, fly a helicopter. Like, I'm sure there could have been a way that was non-aggressive, but at that point, maybe they could have, like, gone on a plane and came from the top and then went down, like, some, like, I don't know, Mission Impossible type thing. But they literally just massacred a bunch of people that never attacked them once. Like, some of them were drinking coffee, just reading the newspaper. Like, they were, like, completely innocent in, uh, on their way to, like, before they died. I mean, I, w- I wonder... Let's see. I wonder if, uh... The creators of Matrix were just in it solely for the optics. Like, it, it was a cool fight scene. And I think that may have been it. Like, that, uh, I don't know, similar to, like, what I've heard about the uh, the, the Marvel movies where I think you're designing all these scenes around the fight and not necessarily the story. Interesting. I was unaware of the Marvel movies doing that so i don't know Uh, it was just something that stuck out to me because it just seemed so like cold-blooded like there was like i don't know it it just took me aback when i was just like watching i was like wait like what did this guy do to you he didn't even say stop he just wanted to know if you had anything on you yeah that's interesting um but yeah uh, so, I, don't, I I guess to me, I would rate it around a three. Um, I, I I guess if I was younger, maybe a four. I think I, I think at this point in my life, I have kind of taken away everything that I can from the Matrix, and there's not really much to ingest in terms of like the narrative. So I think that, like, for me, it would probably be something that, like, if I had a kid, I'll probably watch it with them 
in like a decade, like when they're old enough. I'll definitely watch with my children. But like I wouldn't tell them that. But like I don't to have, tell them that this is a this is a documentary and this is how real life is actually. I mean, you could just say this was nineteen ninety nine was like a different time, it was a different world. I mean, if you think about it though, like. It, it was a completely different world in every aspect where it's just like looking at, at them having those slider phones. And I remember when I was a kid, I was like, oh my God, I want that phone. That phone looks so cool. Yeah. And, and it's just like everyone's wearing like latex and leather and stuff like that. And just like that. Very futuristic. Yeah. And... I mean, it's also the movie that you can say, like, just, like, destroyed the Bukowski brothers, like, mine. Because it's, like, pretty much it's, like, once they went through the trilogy, they then went through that whole, like, gender transition and everything like that. Yeah. And it's just, like, I, I just remember, like, to think about the idea that, it's, like, I remember, like, going into, like, when the movie ends... And then it says, like, a film by the Wachowski brothers. And it's just like, man, that seems pretty badass. And then to think about, like, now, when The Matrix 4 comes out, it's just going to say a film by the Wachowski sisters. And it's just going to be like, man, it seems weird. Especially, like, if you yeah. had no context of their life. Yep. Um, it'll be achievement. It will be an achievement for women in cinema, though. That uh, these former men held the title for like one of the most like popular like fight movies ever. Yeah. Um. So reading about uh the Matrix Four. So I, I guess uh for the Void, um. I, I had asked uh, not spooky earlier. He consented, uh, to the idea of watching the remaining uh, Matrix movies in the run-up to part four that's going to be released in December. And reading about it, uh, I guess they're not going to have Agent Smith, which I was like, why? And they're not going to have Morpheus, which also seems weird. And then they're going to introduce a bunch of, like, new people, which I'm like, eh. So, so they're going to continue on to have Matrix 5, Matrix 6, Matrix 7. I So to me, all right, so this is what I'm imagining is going to happen. Is that they're going to slightly retcon a lot of things because the idea of red pill and blue pill has become such a conservative type of thing that they're going to try and, like, retrofit that in a leftist viewpoint. Interesting. I'll be interested to watch it. Come December, we will find out. Um, so with that, um, any ideas of what you want to watch for next week? Uh, next week. Um, uh, off the top of my head, I don't have anything. I'm sorry, um, no, it does actually, feel... Go ahead. Um, Writers of Justice, um, my friend recommended it to me, and I've been wanting to uh, watch it. So it's a foreign film, and so... Writers... Take of, that. 
by Matt or like Mads Mickelson, isn't it? Okay, he's a great actor. Oh my god. We should watch The Hunt one day. No, dude, I just barely watched that. That was the worst movie I've ever seen. Oh my god, that was the most inf- I wanted like I watched that movie and I like felt an ulcer growing in my stomach in the whole- I know, it's the worst movie I've ever seen. And the whole time I I was just like I want to kick that girl in the face so hard. Yeah, um, I did not like the movie at all. And that's partly my aversion to uh, American Beauty. And, uh, but that but wait, wait. Yeah. In, in this movie, he was falsely accused. No, I understand. I still like, it just like, Everything that anything dealing around that, I can't handle. So, so to me, I I was just like, this must be a slight like adaptation of the movie Job. I mean, of the book Job, because it's just like this guy. Not only did he just like keep his cool and composed like the entire time, despite all those accusations, but like. Mm-hmm. I, I was just like, man, like, so many times I, I really wanted to kick that little girl in the face. Like, <laughs> I have Harsh, I, I have never seen such a villain like that four-year-old girl. Yeah. And I, I remember that scene where they're at, what you call it, like, at the church at the end, and he's just, like, crying, and I was like, man... This guy is an amazing actor. Like, yeah. ah, such a great movie. I mean, once again, it, I would when never... I said, <laughs> Go ahead. When I said worst movie ever, I didn't mean, like, literally worst movie ever. Like, it just infuriated me to no end. So. Oh, I know. And, and I, I think that it is telling... I think that it is one of those movies... I mean, I'll never watch it again. That That movie was so infuriating but I would easily recommend it to any other male I I don't think I think for to some extent I think like you can probably show it to a female and they'll be like oh I get this but I don't think that they understand the ostracization and like all the terribleness that comes with that accusation that that movie does. Yeah. And well, should, like, should we watch, uh, justice then or what? Say that again. Should we watch writers of justice then? Oh, I'll, I'll buy it and we'll watch it. Um, Wait. but, uh, I, it's just like when you mentioned Mad Milkelson, I was just like, Oh my God, that movie I can never disassociate him from that movie. Yeah, that it was an interesting, interesting movie. So, uh, so what is uh, do you have like a how do you call it? Um, an elevator pitch for the movie? I do not have an elevator pitch for the movie. I was just like I went and watched The Hunt with my friend, and he said if you like this movie, um. Or if you like Mad Mickelson acting, he's also in this other movie that I really like. So uh, it's more action-packed and fight scenes and whatnot. So I think 
I guess that would be my um, elevator pitch. If you like Mads Mikkelsen acting, acting and like fight scenes, uh, Riders of Justice is what we're watching. Okay. Um, and also, I believe the first movie you've recommended to watch. Uh, Bandless. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what? I've been wanting to say this for about a month since we watched The Endless. And uh, there was something that I was going to bring up during that whole review thing, but I, I completely blanked on it. So, they keep singing that, that song, The House, um, what is it? House of the Rising Sun. Yeah. And they sing that a lot throughout the entire movie. And then there was a point in the movie because they, they said, like, uh, I forget the guy's name at this point, um, but the younger one, that um, he had a crush on the girl from the camp, and they also commented on her age and things like that. And then he also had that whole night naivete about him, about, like, oh, I slept with her, but just, like, they slept in the same bed. Yeah. In the in uh, so that girl, she is a tailor, like she does all the clothing for everyone at the camp, and they they talk about this. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. But when they start singing the song, one of the lyrics is, "My mother was a tailor." Oh shoot. There you go. And I was just like, is that like, is that the whole thing that he's actually related to her? Maybe. Like, <laughs> I'd be interested to research that. I, I wonder if there's a community large enough on um, the internet to figure that out. Yeah. So that, that has bothered me for the past. I literally have had a note here just saying, bring up the endless. And I keep forgetting it every time to right now. Well, to the void, if you know the answer, send us the answer. But, um, yeah, so then we'll watch Riders of Justice. Um, also, because of this, I've been building up my movie collection for the first time in, like, in over a year. Nice, nice. Oh. Do you just uh, right, rent them, by the way? What's that? Yeah, I just rent them. Unless I like them, like, I'm going to buy, I'll be buying Full Metal Jacket, so. Okay. And also The Hunt? I will not be buying The Hunt. <laughs> Alright, All right, man, I gotta go. Alright, so, well, I have a... Okay, good... everyone, be Six. safe. And, um, pro-peace. Yo world is an ashtray We burn it corn like cigarettes The more you cry your ashes turn to
see.